Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. Leftovers or the DMV or house cleaning or Chumba Casino always brings the fun. Play over a hundred different games online for free from anywhere. You could redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. Live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. We were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. We are back with episode 12 of Beyond Baseball, powered by Prospects Live. I am here, as always, with Dr. Caleb Mezzi. Caleb, how are you doing today? I'm good. I can't believe it's episode 12. Yeah, we're pushing through. Pushing through. Yeah, almost we're wrapping up in episode 15 of season one, and we'll be diving right into season two uh, with some more incredible guests. And so we're excited to definitely go down that route. Um, but so kind of to kick things off here we have an awesome interview that we want to get to here in a little bit um but the first thing we want to talk about is all the hall of fame results um scott Rowland was elected to the hall of fame in the 2023 class uh you give us some insights because he was a philly so we got to talk about gaffy you talking yeah. about scott Rowland. so i will tell you i was a little uh torn i have a a love relationship like i loved scott Rowland growing up it was exactly like when i was like eight nine ten years old i think he was breaking into the league my first, this is this is breaking news. My first screen name on AOL was <laughs> S Roland three B seventeen. I'm it. not even kidding. I love the guy. I thought he was great. I played third base, so I really enjoyed third baseman, especially if they were in the Philadelphia um, area or Philadelphia market. Um, but I, I struggled at first with understanding that he would be a Hall of Famer. The thing yeah. that really changed it for me is it's not that he was a bad player. I think he was a great player. Just Hall of Fame is definitely a different category. The thing that really broke it for me and changed my tone on this whole thing was understanding how little third basemen are represented in the Hall of Fame. Yeah. The weird thing to hear, and, I, and I, I'm going to give huge kudos to Nolan Arenado, is they talk about Scott Rowland's gold gloves, and they say the only guys who have more than him are Brooks Robinson, Mike Schmidt, another Philly, and Nolan Arenado, who is still active in his prime. Yeah. It's just like it's a wild stat. And no knock on Scott Rowland, but it kind of just gives the upper hand to the guys like Adrian Beltre, who's going to be next year you know, first ballot. Guy. And I really think that Nolan Arenado, if he continues, which I think he will, at least maintaining what he's been doing, he is a first ballot Hall of Famer. So I think it's nice to show a little love to third baseman because if you think about it in your lifetime, in my lifetime, we can't name that many third basemen who have been in the Hall of Fame. No. I mean, you think about it, it's the reason why Ron Santo got in, right? He was just a guy who probably wasn't one of the best players. He was really good. He's like that Hall of Famer, really good that they talk about. But, um, yeah, Scott Rowland was a top 10 third baseman. There's no no doubt about it that's ever played the game of baseball. So it's great to see him in. There's a couple other guys that like Todd Helton, I thought for sure, could have been in. 
I um, thought he was too. His road splits, like everybody gives the Coors Field example, but his road splits are just as good as his home numbers almost. Also, you and, still have, you still have to play and hit. It's not yeah. his fault that he was in Coors. Yeah, yeah. And Larry Walker, like it took him to the last ballot basically to get in. So he's another guy. Billy Wagner is another one I want to see. He came in at like sixty eight point one percent. Love closers. My, I yeah. think he deserves it. Yeah, uh, it, it's interesting <laughs> to me because I feel like there's a part of a hazing process. Yeah, because Scott Rowland had like his debut on the ballot was really low. Yeah. Um, I personally think Jimmy Rollins should get it. So I think that if we're looking at the future of shortstops, I don't know who else will really be, you know, that reputable in terms of getting in. He played all the time. He did all these things. His 2007 season was crazy. He won a World Series like he's done yeah. so many things. And I feel like there's like this hazing process that Todd Helton's still going through. Wagner's still going through. Yeah. Yeah. And then. Yeah, guys like Jeff Kenton who aren't making it. Tenth ballot gone off of it. Um, I'm gonna touch on like the guys for 2024. You mentioned uh, I think Adrian Beltre is on the ballot Beltre, this yeah. year. Um, that's a guy I expect to go in. I think another one that has a really good shot, or at least getting a good amount of votes, is Chase Utley. I think he's got the best case outside of Adrian Beltre. I know you yeah. probably have some thoughts on Utley. I do. I mean, I I think if you look at his body of what he did when he was playing, it's not that different than Scott Rowland. It's just in a short period of time. Or as a guy you mentioned, Jeff Kent. Um, I personally don't think, and I love Utley. Like, he's a guy who I would love, you know, my son to see play. (laughs) That's just the way he played. I don't think he did it for long enough. And he came in a little older because he did go to UCLA. Um, I think of that 2018, which I'm a little biased towards, that Jimmy should get the the okay and really the move forward it's going in the hall of fame the guy from that ballot who i really think should go in first ballot but I, i'm worried he might not is joe mauer mm. when you look at joe mauer's career from a catcher perspective just as a catcher yeah. forget that he went to first base it's the same as buster posey who everybody's yep. talking about being a hall of famer joe mauer won three batting titles as a catcher it's a pretty crazy um, when he was six foot four six foot five so then you add in the fact that he played continuously as a first baseman I, to me, he's a Hall of Famer. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I, I love Joe Maurer. I think he deserves it. Um, last guy I want to touch on is Andrew Jones because this is a, this guy's like a curious he's case a tough to me. One. You look at ages like twenty through thirty, he was real good, and then all of a sudden he played those like last seven years, and he had a seventeen-year career. If he was just like average and one of like probably age thirty through thirty-three, if he was just average, probably be a first ballot Hall of Famer. But the fact that like. His he was just such a short sample size. Are like you looking at like a ten year span? Um, and if he just played those ten years, I'm like, does he have an argument to get in the Hall of Fame? And just retired at 29. Yeah, he. I mean, if, if he gets in, I feel like nobody says, oh, he shouldn't have gotten in. Yeah. Like it's one of those things. Um, but he is, and I wouldn't have said this about Scott Rowland before he got into it. He's like on that. Uh, we'll see. Yeah. I think you have to add in the fact that Andrew Jones really changed the landscape for Curacao, too. I mean, that's huge. I mean, you look at guys like Clemente and what they did that allowed, like, the Beltres of the world, um, even though Puerto Rico and Dominican, I know. But I'm just saying, like, those guys kind of do something. Like, Beltre's going to get in because he has 3,000 hits, but he also has the most hits for Dominican. So, like, Jones doing something for Curacao, like, really sets them yeah. on the map and, and really changes baseball. You don't have – now, Dralton Simmons or Jerks and Profar without him. So you could argue there's always an argument to get in. Um, yeah. But I guess we'll we'll wait and see. Yeah. I mean, that's I always love the Hall of Fame time and just being able to discuss that. It's a good time. Um, but now as we kind of transition to the interview, uh, our guest this week was uh, Brandon Puffer, former big league pitcher, 
Um, so we kind of talk about it. Like the reason we started the podcast was that baseball is full of stories, you know, good and bad. Um, and so Brandon Puffer did some things, made some choices that really has led him trying to find redemption. And now he's trying to use those lessons learned to make sure others don't make the same mistake he did. Um, so it's kind of a, a tough interview, but a, um, one that's, I think, a story that's worth listening to for people who are just interested in baseball. Um, Caleb, what were some of your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, he definitely has an interesting story, one that we really haven't touched upon before. I think that knowing his story, listening to him speak and, and be a little authentic and transparent with us, it was nice to see, you know, how he is now, the positivity, mm-hmm. the the groundedness and faith. I mean, hearing all that stuff kind of tells us about the human side, which as you mentioned, is something that we've, we've always aimed to, to address. Yeah. And I think neither of us will say that we condone any of the choices that he made that led to the situation that he was in. I mean, not, not even close. Um, but still, like we said, baseball is full of good and bad stories. There's a whole picture that you need to paint when you're talking about the game and you're talking about the human beings behind the numbers. Like there's good stories behind the numbers and the performance on the field, but there there are bad stories behind it as well. I mean, I think that's our goal is to kind of just shed some light on those kind of things as well. Um, but yeah, without that, we'll get right into that uh, interview with Brandon Puffer. Everyone, welcome to another awesome interview for Beyond Baseball Powered by Prospects Live. I'm here, as always, my co-host, uh, Dr. Caleb Mezzi, but we also have an incredible guest with us today, uh, Brandon Puffer, former big league pitcher, um, has an awesome story, a book that's out. Uh, but before we get into all that, Brandon, how are you doing? I'm doing great today. Yeah, man. Uh, I wish I could be Dr. Brandon Puffer. That sounds awesome. But <laughs> you can. You, you guys, can. man. Yeah, we're <laughs> excited to have you on. Absolutely, yeah. man. Yeah. Um, so just for, for the viewers, because we, we really want to dive into your story. It's a one mm-hmm. that's kind of coming over, overcoming a lot of adversity, a lot of uh, trials and tribulations. Um, but we want to, for the viewers to just don't know who you are, kind of give some background on your journey through baseball and kind of how you got to where you are here today. Yeah, no, absolutely, man. Yeah, I think like a lot of us, and we were just talking you know, beforehand, I just always had that dream to become a professional baseball player and really kind of believed when I was a youngster that if I just could get one day in the big leagues, man, my life would be complete. Right. And that's the way I looked at it. And so, you know, fortunately, as I got, well, really around puberty, 12, 13, 14, I I grew pretty quick and had a little bit of talent. So in high school, some scouts came around and it looked like, hey, maybe this is an opportunity I might actually get. And so got drafted out of high school and, and went on that journey of minor league baseball um you know they call it the grind but i loved every second of it and kind of parallel to that um starting back you know high school and a little before that um addiction played a big part in my life and i had that you know hereditary gene with my father and uncles and whatnot so they just kind of went hand in hand and paralleled each other through that whole journey but yeah after getting drafted in high school um you know i was fortunate enough to play a bunch of years in the minor leagues, get a little bit of big league time along the way and just some great memories and, and lessons learned. And then I know we'll probably get to the whole thing, but um, you know, my career ended not as I had planned. I, I kind of planned on being a lifer and a big league bullpen coach one day and all these things. And um, I de- kind of derailed myself with some poor choices. Um, one in particular off the field, which caused me to, you know, go and serve some time in prison where I really had to look at myself and who I was outside of being a baseball player. Like, who was Brandon Puffer, not the baseball player, not performance wise. So that, that was a huge lesson for me and ended up doing a few years there and kind of 
the redemption story that we'll get into as well is just now I'm able to kind of pour into young men and, and really anybody who needs to be encouraged, who's made a really poor choice um, or try to help people avoid going down that road. Some, somebody who's maybe heading in that direction, some of the warning signs and I'm, I'm freely sharing and openly sharing transparently my story to try to encourage those, those folks in those two groups. Yeah. And uh, you touch on your story um, and kind of using that at, the, the lessons that you learned to kind of help others kind of touch on that and how the, such an important thing that happened in your life as bad as as good as it was, um, how that really shaped who you are and your identity and kind of drove you to be like, OK, I want to learn from this and better myself. Yeah, absolutely. So um, some of the character traits that, you know, were a positive for sure that helped me kind of through the minor leagues and, and work my way up. I was um you know, released or as I say, fired four times before I ever made it to the big leagues or whatever. So I just, you know, perseverance and um, consistency are the two things when, when folks are asking me about that, you know, how do you, how do you, how do you make it? What's the key? Because, you know, as you guys, I'm sure know, once you get drafted, everyone's pretty, pretty level. It's a pretty level playing field. I mean, you have your, your freaks for sure, but for the most part, it's just like, what's going to separate you from all these other guys who have the same dream you did. And, they were the, they were pretty good where they came from. You know, they thought they were hot stuff just like you. And so I realized, um, you know, just being really persistent and um, and and consistent. You know, you can you can have some good runs, but, man, you got to do it for a really long time to stick around. So, you know, that was important. Those were some lessons I already had in my life and they were modeled for me at home and things of that nature. But then, yeah, when, when we talk about the fall from grace and the, the, the doing time and really having to peel out some layers on who I was, um, you know, it was just some of the traits that come to mind are humility, um, you know, having a heart for others that I didn't have, because when you're pursuing that dream of baseball, man, it's all about you. I mean, it really is. And, and it takes a lot of work and it takes a, a mental fortitude that you do kind of have to be in that mindset. But I know for me, I can't speak for everyone. I didn't, I was so tied up in my stuff and my dream that I didn't really have a heart for others. I mean, I, I was, I would say I was a good guy and I encouraged folks and all that. I, but at the end of the day, I wasn't, really living out um, the purpose that I felt like was there for me. And so, yeah, I didn't know if baseball would be a part of my life again when I came out of prison. And um, by the grace of God, it is. And so now I'm using a lot of, you know, the persistence and consistency that helped me in my career. But more than that, you know, humility and, and bouncing back from adversity and all those things to help pour into guys when I'm coaching them. Yeah, it's really interesting hearing some of the terminology they're using, the words and, you know, how we as you know, I would just call us podcast hosts hear from other people. Um, you talked about identity as well. And like identity is one of my favorite things to talk about. But you talked about it from, you know, all I was was this and then coming out of, you know, doing time or in prison, I became this. One of the things I'm trying to understand better about your story is you were caught in the system, the system that kind of tells you to do the task at hand, to do the thing in front of you. And then all you're thinking about is yourself because you're going through this, you know, really system or this process that they're like, if you focus on this, only you focus on this, then you will do this. But it creates this this problem. Right. And the problem is that you just become kind of self-centered at the same time. You have organizations, you have I don't want to call them farm directors or player development people who are really not caring about you that much. Right. So you have to kind of do that as like a defense mechanism. Can you talk about that? as you were going through the minors and then how that has evolved just for you as a person. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, and it did feel that way at times, uh, Caleb, that, you know, Hey, if, if you're not performing, you know, within one day you're out and your family doesn't matter. You got the apartment there and you got everything, your family's there. And it's like, Nope, sorry, man. We, 
we're done. So you did have to kind of develop this resiliency that was, okay, well, I'm going to do this for me and I'm going to do this for my family. And on the same token, when you got in between the lines, and for me, it was on the mound for some guys in the box or whatever, you really had to have a mentality of, Mm -hmm. you cannot beat me. I'm better than you. There is no chance that, and then so, but turning that off when you get off the lines is where I think a lot of guys struggle, myself included. Um, You kind of take this this, um, 10 foot tall and bulletproof approach, which is great in between the lines, but now turning that off, you know, when you get out and you're dealing with family and relationships and things that are very real life, because honestly, I don't know if everybody else feels this way. It kind of feels like just I don't know if fake life's the right word, but it's just kind of surreal when you're playing pro ball. It's like you're not even really in in, in real life. And then you come home for the offseason, you're like, oh, I need to I need to be a productive, uh, you know, father and husband and uh, all these different things. And I just I really feel like um, to your point that it did kind of lend itself or, or, or set it set me up for failure in terms of just really not being a guy that was looking outside of myself and giving more of myself and. And using my gifts to, to help others, um, you know, hopefully within the day to day, you know, just encouraging people at the yard and stuff. Yes. But um, what I learned when I went away and, and I needed the humility and I needed to go, hey, it's not all about you and, and your decisions, your choices affect everybody around you, not just you. And, and so those were some of the characteristics that came in during that time away. Again, being in another kind of system where you're not set up to succeed either. It's, it's not set up to reform. You have to really be intentional and choose how you're going to live out your day and your routine. If you want to come out of you know prison, a better place, you can certainly get caught up in other things that would um, derail you from all kinds of things of being a productive citizen. So just having to be again, and I also feel like the parallel also guys is the consistency, the routine that I had to have in baseball really helped me through that time. Cause I was like, okay, you know, there's a lot of idle time, but here it is. I'm going to read during this time. I'm going to work out during this time. I'm in my word here. I'm meditating here. And, um, it really helped me because it, it, again, when you're in there, it would be very easy to go the other direction. But for me, thank God, uh, you know, his hand on me and I was able to come out and actually probably you know use that as an asset and, and not a, a detriment for me. Um, obviously it's going to hang over my head forever. And so there's that, but at the end of the day, I think, um, people, if you share your story or transparent are able to give grace and go, okay, as long as you're changing your behavior and you're, you're humbled by the situation and you're doing good with it now, we can move past that for the most part. One of the things I want to bring up, and this this might be a weak transition here, but you mentioned turning it off. And I think it's a really good point to bring up. I really do, because I think it's something that doesn't get talked about. We hear the phrase mental health a lot. And I think what happens is a lot of these guys are so physical, physically fit, and they're so focused on their physical health for their physical tools that they forget about the mental side. But when you talk about turning it off, they go hand in hand. Um, I have a feeling between turning it off and your time in prison and then coming out, you had a bunch of coping strategies that helped. I think coping strategies I found in my research help a lot of players in the transition process because that you don't know when your career is going to end. You don't think that it's going to, I mean, not everybody's Buster Posey where it could end yeah. on, you know, his choice. So yeah. for example, with that, what kind of coping strategies did you use or what would you recommend for players using um, who are either going through a similar situation or just you see their career kind of go the same direction? Yeah, that's a great question. And, um, you know, I would say again, routine, being intentional about what you're going to do, right? So for me, morning routine is so important. And for me, that's 
you know, right when I wake up, before I get in the busyness of the phone and all these things. And I, I didn't necessarily have these in place during my career as much as I would have liked to. But now you mentioned mental health. That's a huge struggle for me, man. Anxiety and all my coping mechanisms that were not positive stem from that. And so rather than using those things to numb myself and cope myself, you know, cope with that stuff as I did before, it's okay, get in your word. Um, be, be intentional about prayer life and meditation and reading good, positive books that encourage. Um, I love positive podcasts, you know, self-help type things like the Ed Milet and the Jay Glazers and just kind of listen to folks that have had success. And, and what we've, what I've learned in listening to all those is every one of them had huge failures. It's never just like, Oh, I've just always been successful. It's just, it's right back to hard work, being able to deal with adversity consistently. So I would encourage folks to look at other people that have been through what they're going through. Like, okay, for instance, as an example, when I was in prison, you know, people would come in and volunteer their time to speak to us. And it was awesome. And, and God bless every single one of them that did it. But the ones who came in and didn't really, had never been there, they just came in. It was like, awesome. I'm so appreciative. But it, the ones who came in and said, hey, I've been here. And here's how life looks on the other side if you do it this way. Like, okay. Because when you're in in the moment, you don't know, man. Is there life after this? As a baseball player. You know, am I ever going to make it to the big leagues? And if I do, it's still going to end. It's not going to give you what I thought it would. Remember, I said that my life's going to be complete if I get one day in the big leagues. Well, I got a few more than one day and, and it didn't. It didn't give me that peace and that joy. And I always talk about that, that heart, that hole in my heart. And I feel like it's a God shaped hole that if I put everything else in there, man, drugs, alcohol, women, whatever, it, it just never fills you up, never gives you any joy or peace. And um, so I think putting your faith first, um, remembering whose you are and not just who you are, remembering that baseball is something you do, but it's certainly not who you are. There's so much more to you than that. And I had a hard time understanding that. And for me, like I said before, mine turned on a dime. It was one choice one night and my career path was, it was totally derailed. So I was like, Ooh, how do I deal with this? And then, so having that time to really kind of digest all that and work through it, helped me come up with some of those strategies. Yeah. Uh, the one thing that really sticks out to me kind of is just, how open you decided to be about your story, right? And I think the one for people who go through failure and adversity and kind of have these moments where they, they make a mistake or they screwed up, it's easy to just like, all right, bury it and move on. But you've decided to kind of take that story, share it with others. Um, you pulled out a book uh, from the bullpen to the state pen uh, and are now having that to really show off your story and kind of hopefully help others in that journey. So what led you to, to wanting to write that book and to really dive into your story to help others? Yeah, I mean, that, that, was, that was it. It was just the feeling of after that happened, having a lot of time by myself in a cell, you know, time to figure things out, right? And it was like, okay, God, how do we not let this be in vain? Like, how do we use this for good? Because it says in the word, he'll, he can use all things for good. And I'm like, but this, I hurt. There's a victim in her family and my family, and it's embarrassing. And it, it stinks to talk about. And I actually had some folks, including an agent, say, hey, let's just, like you said, bury it, move on. Let's get rid of it. And I was like, I mean, literally, like, there's ways to pay for it. And we'll just take it off the internet. And I'm like, man, I just always felt led, like, okay, who am I in my adversity? How am I going to respond to that? Baseball gave me a little bit of a platform, right? And so I just, I, the more folks I talked to, little by little, that I was open and honest with, and they were encouraged by it, and I got that feedback, the more I was like, man, people need this. And I knew I needed it. Like, I feel like in my own thoughts, my mental health, Man, no one's as jacked up as me. I'm screwed up. And that's what the enemy had me thinking all the time. So I don't want to tell anybody. I'm not telling anybody about these thoughts or this 
activity or whatever. And then when you, the more guys, you know, that went before me were like, Hey, yeah, I might look like I have success on the outside, but here's some things I really struggle with. I'm like, man, them too. Well, I I can relate to that. And so maybe there's a, a person or two that can be encouraged by me going, Hey, I really have struggles. And by the way, I'm eight years out now. I've got you know a wonderful life. So much has been redeemed to me. I mean, more blessings than I can even talk about today. But it's not like I have it going on still. I still got to struggle every day and battle with those thoughts and be intentional about putting the right thoughts in so those negative thoughts can't fester. And it's just for me personally, it never really goes away. So now, okay, if I'm open and other people tend to open up with me because of that reason, now it helps kind of like, you know, strengthen numbers. We're all a team in this thing. And and it, and it not only helps me as I give it away, honestly, I mean, selfishly, the more I give it away and encourage and talk about it, the more it really helps me go, hey, I want to continue on this good path because, you know, it, hopefully it's helping people. So I think I get encouraged in the process as well. And then the more I do it, and I really did always feel led to write a book and some folks like, man, your story is crazy. You should write a book. And I'm like, eh, I don't know. I wouldn't even want to read my book, you know, and then um, it just kind of lined up where I, I got with some guys that have a company that helped me do it. And, and they put out, a, it was just awesome. I better than I even could have imagined. And so now it's cool. It's a legacy for my family. And again, I mean, you could ask my parents are the most wonderful people. They have encouraged me have unconditional love always, but for a long time, right. It was, how's Brandon? How's baseball? Oh, you're, you know, and your proud dad and mom. And now it's like, please don't ask me. Like we go out to the grocery store, please don't run into someone. And not that they're ashamed of you, but it, it, it's really a, a different deal. So, um, you know, if we're going to be excited in that time, I think we just have to be very real about how it is now. And due to their unconditional love and, and support, I was able to, you know, move forward and have a good life on the other side of that. Yeah. I mean, that's, it, it's just interesting to, to hear kind of how you've taken that, um, moment to, tr- to come over a lot of that adversity. Um, I guess the one the question I would have too is now, what is your role kind of helping the next generation of athletes? I know that you're into coaching and helping that, but kind of talk about how you made that transition um, through all your experiences to really help those um, in your full-time job. Yeah, absolutely, man. I got the best job in the world. I, I, uh, I have a youth and high school nonprofit select program here in Austin. And man, we've got about, you know, anywhere from 25 to 30 teams on any given season. So it's like a few hundred family members that you're able to speak into their life and encourage and, and watch a lot of them go on and fulfill their dreams. So rewarding, man. It's just absolutely awesome. But in terms of how it happened, it's just a God thing. I, I was um, in touch with, I live here close to Round Rock, Texas. They have a AAA affiliate here. The Ryan family owns it. And so, um, you know, I played there. That's how I ended up in this area. And um, Reed and Reese Ryan, Nolan's sons, which is awesome. They were, you know, wrote me and supported me. They said, hey, look us up when you come out. We'll do whatever we can. But the, the coolest part about it was, is I did that. I came out. I, I lost absolutely everything. Um, just so it's clear, like anything I made playing baseball went towards three and a half years worth of keeping people afloat and responsibilities and attorneys trying to stay out, you know, all that. So I only say that to say, like, you've got to humble yourself and, I went and met with them. They're like, man, we, we don't have much, but we've got a maintenance job. Like, Dude, I can't fix anything. And they're like, well, just like little things. Like, can you paint? Can you stay? So, man, I spent months literally just, I, I literally, if you ever go to the stadium in Round Rock, I have pressure washed every inch of concrete, everything that's stained, every piece of, I did it, any green paint, every suite all day long. And guys are like, Dude, you know, you played out there. You're a double A all-star out there. So it doesn't matter. Once you get perspective and you realize you can have peace and joy in every circumstance, and I was loving it. I love doing that. And so I took that humbly, 
tried to work as hard as I could towards that. And, um, and then it, it just gradually lent itself to, Hey, we've got a position here as a baseball outreach coordinator. You can kind of help some youth and some camps. I'm like, wow, me, like, I don't feel worthy of that, but yeah, I'll do it. And then we started a, a team or two. And then I, uh, me and a buddy, Brian Gordon, who was doing the same thing with me, we just jumped down on a leap of faith. And I, I love the express. I love the Ryan family. They've been nothing but awesome to me, but it was like, that's their legacy, you know? And I don't always want to just coattail their legacy. I want to get out and do my own thing. And so I, I, we did that. And now GPS legends is our, is our program. And we're just, just fortunate, man, to be able to help a lot of young men. And again, I love advocating for them with colleges and, and watching them. And I get those texts when they're at school and all that. It's just, honestly, I, I don't even, I never knew that this kind of joy or I guess uh, contentment could come after baseball by coaching and pouring into kids, um, you know, cause when you're doing it, it's all consuming. You're in it. It's all, and it's like, well, how am I going to get that back? And it's, well, here it is, man, going to war with these kids on the weekends or, you know, individual lessons or whatever it is. Um, and again, the baseball gives me the platform. Some of the other stuff I went through kind of helps me to go, look, you're going through something, but here's how we can work through this, you know? Well, it's interesting because it brings the joy that you had growing up playing baseball before it became the task at hand and you get put in that system. Um, I have a question because you, you came back with the word perspective, and I think that's a really good word given your story and everything. How would you, and you talked about identity earlier, how would you describe looking back your identity prior to everything that happened? And I'm saying everything happened because it's not just one thing. And then you mentioned who's your identity. Talk to us a little bit more about that and how that relates to what your identity is now. I think you kind of defined who your identity is by helping all those people that you, that you do on a regular basis, but I'm just curious. Yeah, I think previously my identity again was just Brandon Puffer, the ball player. I mean, plain and simple. That was it. If I was doing well, happy-go-lucky, everything's good. Yeah. If I wasn't, eh, you know, I got to get better. And even when I did well, it was like, oh, I got to get to the next one. I got to be consistent. I got I just never, just all consuming, right? And I, again, I think it has to be to a sense, but some guys are just really good about balancing it and, and having more balance. I, I wasn't. It was just all about that and about me. And then um, now, you know, I talked about identity because I, I think I like to tell people is like, remember not just who you are, but whose you are. And so for me, that's important because the world can say, dude, you're a convicted felon. You're this, you're that. I wear these kind of scarlet letters and I have to remember every day. And one of my, one of my, um, you know, positive reinforcements that I do is I read uh, my bookmark is who I am in Christ, my identity in Christ. And it's verses that back up who, you know, what I believe, I, I don't even know if this is a Christian show, but it says beyond baseball. So um, what I believe is who created me and what they created me for was so much more than just Brandon Puffer, the baseball player. And so looking at that and every day just open, you know, open my eyes and going, okay, God, what do you have for me now? And that started right when I got sentenced in prison. I went behind the bars and I was like, okay, this is where I got myself. These are my choices. And I knew I had faith in my life and all that, but I knew it was right from wrong. And I just mm -hmm. chose different. And so now it's like, what do you have for me? Every time I walk, I go into our facility, I go early, put on a song and just pray, hey, truly help me to help these kids I'm going to work with tonight. To, you know, if it's baseball or speaking of their life, whatever they're going in, I'm just always looking for what is my purpose. Because now I believe, I don't think you'd wake me up and give me breath if I just had no purpose. And I was just going to cruise through the day and do my own thing. So now it's always looking for, okay, what is that purpose? And how does that line up with the 15 years you blessed me with in baseball or the three and a half years that I, my own choices got me in? How does all that line up for what I'm doing now? And so that's what I, where I try to define my purpose these days.
So let me ask you this question. This is out of pure curiosity, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here, but you had the relationships with the teams. You went through this yourself, right? And while faith has a role for everybody differently, right? And we understand that. What could teams do or what could the Players Association do to understand and get to the level that the player's at, to understand that they have more than just a ball player identity? Man, that is a good question. Um <laughs> I would like to see and like to say, and I don't know how this work would work on their level to, to, to your point, to ask questions, to get to know them as an individual. Right. I, I don't ever remember or recall, especially when it comes to like front office and decision makers, yeah. you know, anyone really knowing or caring who I was, did I have kids? Was I married? Where'd I live? You know, what are my interests? You know, all these things that I try to be intentional about with the kids I coach now. So I'm seeing them more as a, as a person than a commodity, which I get it. It's pro ball. It's different, but I just never remember feeling that. Right. And it doesn't mean it's can't, it's not gonna be cutthroat. I get it, man. Like it's, it's the top of the top. And if they need a spot and you're not performing, Hey man, they're going to release you. But, and on the faith aspect, that's hard because like you said, it's different for everybody. You know, you can't be shoving your own faith down someone's foot. We had baseball chapel and we had chapel leaders Mm -hmm. and, you know, I tried to really be around the right guys in that regard. But I think if it started from the top, and I think they're doing better. I have some buddies that have what I believe is the dream role. So if any big league team needs a guy that they literally are like, um, what's it called? It's like um, control. Um, well, their whole job is just to go around quality and encourage control. players. What is it? Is it the quality control or is it like yes. performance? Quality with control. I got a few buddies that are quality which control. Is, which is a very interesting position because they essentially stole it from the NFL. The NFL really? was like, yeah, they would give it to guys who – you know, similar to yourself, like they played and they wanted to coach, yeah. but they didn't know what they would coach yet. So get you in. It's kind of like an internship, Dude, um, but it gets I, you I, in and then you explore yeah. your role. I have a couple buddies that do it. One for the Cardinals, one for the Whites. And they were telling me about it. And I'm like, Dude, where was that when we were around? Like yeah. a guy that literally is there just to like get to know you. What's going on? How can I encourage you? And and then I was like, well, how do I not have this job? <laughs> well, background check. But other than that, I'm like, dude, that's a dream job. Go just go encourage guys and say, hey, look, I've been there. Like, there's nothing in this game that you're going to go through that I haven't. Um, or off the field, you haven't messed up more than I have, man. So let me help you. But yeah, I just, I never felt like, not only that, Kevin, Jerry, but I also felt like when I was struggling, God forbid if I mentioned it, I, I and maybe I'm wrong, but I felt like, I would just become like, hey, he's a little bit of a liability now. We, we can't do it. So I, even when I was struggling and going out and part, it was like, go to the yard, just act like you got it all going on, right? That's one of the reasons why I threw the PA in the question because I've heard from a lot of players that they don't think that a team would ever employ somebody like that because then that person, who's paying them, right? The team is paying them. They're going to go back and say like, you know, Humphrey's got issues. We got to cut him, right? <laughs> Versus like the PA who, who would say, listen, this stays on the PA side. This stays on the player's side. We advocate and, and protect you. So yeah. that's why I threw them in there because – it's it's always you know whose role is this and who's going to kind of pick up this responsibility but there's a reason that it hasn't happened and i think part of it is the mental health peak performance they assume a lot of that personality thing but again they're looking for peak performance they're looking for mental health they're looking for that kind of stuff so what you're talking about is the humanization of an athlete and that's yeah, where the identity really stems from i agree and i i look, trust me man like i get fired up talking about peak performance cuz i did kind of come across like dorfman's mental ABC's yeah, yeah. four years into a ball. I was crushing that thing and it, it made a big difference. And so I'm always teaching these things to our guys. And it's like, but that doesn't really encompass 
the battles of the mental health. It encompasses the staying focused and the self talk. The mental the part of the game. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Like it's great for that. But then when you get away from the field, again, turning that switch off, how do I deal with this mind that just goes so fast and so crazy and, and help me compete, help me get out there and do my thing. But it doesn't feel like a positive thing when you're off the field and you yeah. can't turn it off. And so, man, I, 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 yeah, the quality control thing, I was like, dude, that's awesome. So more of that would be good. Cause there's just not, you're just not going to go to the front office or even the skipper and go, Hey man, I'm just really struggling. Cause they're going to go, Oh, uh-oh, liability. We've got to get them out of here. And a matter of yeah. fact, guys, the day I drove into the park, September 12th, um, the day I drove in and, and that night happened for me, I literally was like, heard this like small, still voice, a going, that's not a good idea. B going, matter of fact, you've been scuffling. You should go tell them that you're struggling. And I'm like, I'm the chapel leader of the team. I'm, I'm, I'm basically, I was crash Davis. I was the old guy who was in double a, who had some big league time. I'm like, we're in the championships. I'm not going to be a distraction of these guys. I'm going to just suck it up and bury it. And ultimately, it, it cost me, you know? Yeah. I mean, just kind of your story is just uh, it's just an interesting one and kind of uh, to follow. I guess the, the last question that we kind of always wrap up with, too, and you've kind of touched on this a little bit with your job and how you kind of uh, mold and navigate the, the younger generation. But if you had one piece of advice for – athletes that are struggling to find their identity outside the game or figure out who they, who they are. What would that one piece of advice be? That's a good one, man. That's a really good question. Again, it's hard for me to not go back to the faith aspect. And again, I, I I didn't even ask if what kind of show it is, but it's just for me, man, in my story, it's so hard to share it because to this day, if I get away from, you know, faith and believing in, in, in kind of the graces and the mercies of, of I can move on from here, then I'm susceptible to going right down the same paths. Before I ever got into this, this trouble I got in, I had five years sober, I was doing my thing, and then a, a tough life um, incident happened and I slipped back into old habits. So I would just encourage guys, whether you have faith or you don't, especially if you don't, just cry out and go, hey, look, if you're real, if you're a God, if, if you actually exist, I'm hearing about this thing this dude's talking about. I don't know that. I don't feel that. Where are you? Where are you in my life? Right. And kind of look for some signs of that. And then I think the number one thing for me, too, is just living a life of gratitude, just really gratitude, man. It's so hard to be anxious and upset and mad when you have things to be grateful for. And if you're if you're physically able to play ball and mentally able to play ball and your life's probably not perfect, but man, you've got a lot to be grateful for. You woke up today and you get to go get on the field. That's a big deal. And that's why with our club, we pray after every game and practice just saying, hey, thanks for the opportunity. Like a lot of a lot of folks didn't have this opportunity today. So I just say be very grateful and try to find, you know, um, an aspect of faith, something bigger than yourself um, that can encourage you every day to go, hey, there's a, I'm a little blip on the radar here when it really comes down to it. Uh, my stuff is important to me and I'm not, you know, saying it's not, but there's a lot there's a lot bigger things out there. And just really getting focused on that, looking, you know, without instead of within all the time. Yeah, I think that's an incredible way to kind of to wrap up the interview and just talk, talking about gratitude. I think that's something we touch on a lot and hear from a lot of athletes as well. Um, Brandon, we can't thank you enough for taking the yeah, time to join you. us, sharing your story. Um, yeah. We just got wishing you nothing but the best. Awesome, guys. Yeah, I really Great. enjoyed it. Thank you for having me, man.
Now through June 29th, you can earn up to four times rewards points on your favorite products throughout the store at Safeway. Shop for items like Coca-Cola products, Deer Park Natural Spring Water, Dannon Light and Fit Yogurt, Mott's Original Applesauce, Heinz Ketchup, and McCormick Spices. And earn up to four times bonus reward points to use for discounts on gas or groceries. Visit Safeway.com or download the Safeway For You app to earn your reward points today. Offer valid through June 29th. See store for more details. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.